0: Hello, I'm Kate Chabot. Welcome to an extra edition of the SITREP podcast. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, men and women of the Royal Navy are operating below the surface of the world's oceans. In an environment said to be less explored than space, the dangers for submarines and their crews are many. Enemy action, collision with the unseen, or a simple technical failure that can turn to catastrophe. But how do you learn to lead operations and people in that dangerous environment? And what can we all learn from the process? The former commander of HMS Turbulent, Ryan Ramsey, went on to lead the submarine command course and details the incredible pressures that potential captains are put through in his new book, A View from Below. On SITREP this week, we discuss those pressures and how the seemingly impossible training scenarios can turn to real world emergency in seconds. On this extra podcast, he shares much more, including how he battled the clock to save his crew's lives in his most perilous moment of command, why we need to rethink can-do attitudes, and how three key principles of submarine command can help us all.
1: This is my second book. The first book was um, quite a raw encounter about my last year in command of Age uh, Miss I really enjoyed that, and I did that for um, for legacy. I did it because i 'm going to get old one day and i 'll forget everything <laughs> and I thought I thought it 'd be really good if I actually wrote stuff down <laughs> while I could still remember it and and actually for the crew itself, so the crew all say the same thing it 's an accurate reflection of what we did, and they use it to remember remember what we did in that amazing amazing year and amazing crew. This one was slightly different because i 've been away from the submarine service and i 've led in a variety of organizations. Um, I suddenly, I, I look at, I look at the world slightly differently. And I think there are lessons that, uh, the business can learn from the military. And there are also lessons that the military can learn from business. And I think via the submarine command course and, and framing it around that, it's been able to be, uh, I've been able to share both ways. So it's not mm. just. Um, it's not just lessons from the submarine command course to the business world or to people who are starting their leadership journey. It's also for serving people to look at and say, OK, yeah, that does translate across. And I get that and translate back. And that's the feedback I've had so far is pretty, pretty much that.
0: And what kind of organisations have you led since you left the Royal Navy?
1: um so so uh, leaving the royal navy i went to an oil rig first so i, I was the first non-shell person to lead on board um, their most complex platform in the north sea and that was also that was an experiment from shell to work out whether you had to be a journeyman all the way up to that position or you could just jump in and lead which i proved you could jump in and lead i led strategically uh, a national grid as um, head of construction across the uk which was a 147 major projects team of 250 full-time employees and about 4000 contractors and they've also led in the um small medium enterprise which which is exceptionally exciting very dynamic um a lot of hands-on stuff uh, to do so so in, in a variety of different areas
0: you were talking just just now about uh, the military can learn from business and business can learn from the military. And the premise is to share those lessons uh, from the C phase of the course with the civilian world. How does it translate? What can you share?
1: We can share quite a lot. So everybody has their own process for making decisions. Everybody has their own process for how they deal with um, different activity. And it's about sharing um, sharing some of those processes. So later in the book, I talk about, for example, uh, a leadership model that's so simple that anybody can take it on. And, and the reason I've done that is because there, there are a zillion books that, about leadership out there. Some of them are so complex, it's incredible. And yet what I've done is look at every leadership model that I've ever operated with, compared it with the submarine command course, which we know is an incredibly high quality, um, high quality first rate course and gone. Actually, there's only three simple things you need to worry about. with leader. And if you can concentrate mm-hmm. on those and make it as simple as possible, um, then you're going to be able to uh, able to manage your team effectively.
0: And yet, I suppose, on a submarine, the boss doesn't go home at night. You're all stuck there together for weeks on end. I suppose you could compare that to being on an oil rig as well. But what kind of pressure does that put on you as the captain to get the leadership right in a closed environment where you could come under enemy attack at any moment?
1: Yeah, the, the, there's huge amounts of pressure there. So, so, um, but you, you can only be yourself, firstly, right? You are who you are. Um But you need to understand yourself. So if you're starting to become under pressure yourself, what you can't do is exert that pressure onto your team. That's fundamentally wrong and needs to be avoided. And so by knowing yourself and understanding, say, for example, trigger points or understanding when you are getting under under pressure managing that effectively, that means you don't translate and you lead the crew. And like you say, you're on there 24-7, 365 in some cases. Um There's nowhere to hide everybody sees you all the time and therefore consistency is everything consistency Mm. with how you are consistency with how you deal with your people because you know the wrong word once can affect somebody for for a huge amount of time and of course i'm not going to say it's an echo chamber but it's it's a a small submarine and it's a steel tube and you're seeing these people on a day-to-day basis uh things do echo if you get it wrong so and and there's another bit that goes with it if you get it wrong say you've got it wrong be be Mm. Uh, humble enough to be able to turn around and go, actually, that was the wrong decision, or sorry, I said the wrong thing, and this is why.
0: And you write about one captain who actually made you want to leave. What did they do, and what effect did it have on the crew? Because it may potentially have put people in danger, is that right?
1: (sighs) It, it was, it was hugely destructive. Um, and, and I think, um, the individual would probably acknowledge that that wasn't the best, um, best leadership time of his, of his, uh, his life. But that was all self-pressure generated. In, when I look back on it, I, it's, it's easy in reflection and having now taught the submarine command course and commanded a submarine, I understand exactly the pressures he was under. Um, but he didn't handle that pressure very well. And his, his, um, his way of dealing with it was to translate that pressure onto his crew. And his way of doing that was to shout a lot. Um, but that added no value whatsoever. And on a personal level, that affected me massively. I mean, it affected me physically, um, and it affected me mentally. And when you're supposed to be leading a team, uh, as a watch leader, for example, you, you need, you need your people to be, um, top physically, uh, know that they're fully supported and not fighting somebody else within the, um, within the organization. Um, and that was a big learning for me. I, I, I can't say I enjoyed one bit of that experience, but I did learn a heck of a lot about leadership.
0: And um, what was your biggest test as a captain?
1: <laughs> there, were, there were many. Um, I would say the the, the long, uh, the biggest one was the the 286 days away on deployment, keeping the platform going. I mean, Agnes Tournament was very old at that stage; she was 28 years old, um, and to keep a platform uh, that old and the crew. Um, what well, the crew kept the platform going but to to support six operations worldwide um and and bring the platform home bring the crew home safely that was definitely the biggest challenge I had during my period of time in command
0: it's interesting because um, you describe HMS Turbulent at that time as aging uh, and operating in conditions that wasn't uh, it wasn't built for do we yeah. need to rethink sometimes the actual value of the can-do attitudes and workarounds and leadership
1: we do. Uh, and um, I, I talk about this a lot. I comment a lot about this. The Royal Navy is very or most armed forces are, right? The, the, the armed forces are a can-do organisation. And in fact, what we tend to do is rather than matching resources to do the task, we just take the task on and hope that people fill the gap. And I think mm. the, the goodwill that we've levered off of previous generations it doesn't work now. Um, And it's really, really difficult. I think leadership, leaders now have a really difficult uh, task because uh, an aging Navy, for example, um, kit that needs updating, we're asking people to do more and more stuff with less and less capability to be able to do it. Mm. that's a really tough leadership challenge. I don't envy them at that. I I, I mean, I I I think it's really, really tough. and, And we rely on the people a lot. We just need to look after them. We really do need to look after them.
0: The last time we talked, you described the catastrophic failure of the air conditioning system um, on your sub, where crew members were getting so hot, they were suffering from heat exhaustion. You thought you wouldn't make it out alive. Um, How did you, I mean, I know earlier you said that you've had worse situations than the near collision with the frigate, but um, how did you lead, I presume this is the one you were talking about, or one of them, um, how did you lead in that situation, in that crisis?
1: yes I have spent quite a lot of time analyzing that so so um interestingly, my internal perception was that um I was not in control of the situation I probably wasn't in control of the situation I was also um very fearful I was fearful because I thought this might be the end you know th- on a personal level when we first started but then I got got fighting effectively internally so my mindset changed to right we are gonna we're gonna sort this and we're gonna get through it um and the feedback from the team. Whereas I felt fear, uh, they didn't see any of that. They saw somebody Mm. who was being consistent, getting around people, asking questions, providing information. And and this goes back to my consistency piece is everything. Because if I suddenly changed from being everything's great when we're doing a patrol or an exercise or something like that, and and then something goes wrong and I I too look like I'm I'm not in control of it or I'm, I'm not able to support, then that's not good for the crew. And so the consistency piece was very, very evident to the way that I managed um, that incident on that day.
0: And you say you weren't in control of the situation, but isn't a key part of leadership actually accepting what you can and can't um, control?
1: Yeah, very much so. That's a very good observation. What what can you control and what you can't? And then what, what can you do to mitigate that lack of control? Um, sometimes you can you can accept it. Uh, because there's nothing you can do, but you can manoeuvre around it possibly. Or sometimes you have to uh, find some ways to minimise whatever whatever the effect of that particular particular situation is. And you see that a lot with warfare, but you also see it with business. So, um, you know, in, in in current business that, that I, I work with, there are things that we can control and there are things that we can't. And all we're doing is putting in strategies in place to mitigate the things that we can't control and making sure we maximise the effort of those things we can
0: And um, in that situation, it sounds like you're saying there was a moment where you felt the stress was getting the better of you, but then you actually managed to get things under control. How did that happen? What happened exactly?
1: Well, I I always think about it's like a bucket filling up with stuff and I couldn't empty the bucket quick enough. You know, one thing would go wrong. Uh, the biggest thing was people you know uh, people the the amount of casualties was 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 crazy that day um but you 've got systems that are failing then you 've got uh people that are failing and 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 that's heartbreaking so honestly really heartbreaking to to see your own crew who you love and you do love there's a there's a there's a a fraternal love I would call it between a captain and and, and the crew and um and all i all I started to do was right what can we bat off first <clears throat> until we get that bucket under control? Uh, and then until I can find what the the strategy that's going to get us out of this, um, and I'm taking in loads and loads of raw information, I would describe it, trying to filter out what's important and what's not, and then using the important stuff, come up with a strategy and socialize that really quickly with my second in command, my exo, uh, Gareth at the time. Does that sound right? Right, we're going to do yeah. that and then go on and do it.
0: I mean i feel stressed just hearing you talk about it i don't know how i'd i'd never survive the of course um how did you solve it then
1: so so it was, t- it, was, it was in basic terms well as all the systems were going to tertiary systems or secondary systems and we didn't have the prime system i suddenly realized the one thing we need to do is to cool the submarine down and the best place we can cool the sub we can't cool the submarine down on the surface that isn't going to work it's too hot We need to get deep. And the reason we knew that was because as we were coming into um, into the Gulf, uh, we'd been recording all the data, environmental data. So we knew, for example, you come out of the Red Sea, um, it's like 26 degrees. But actually, as soon as you enter into um, Gulf of Aden, the temperature decreases. And if you go deeper and deeper, the temperature decreases more. And so by working out quickly that we needed to get the submarine deep as quickly as possible, cool the submarine down. And then as soon as we start cooling the submarine down, um, we'll be able to find the problem and fix it. And that's exactly what we did.
0: And the Perisher course um, is designed to push would-be commanders to their limits and for them to find, th- find those limits. And how close to real danger do those being assessed have to actually come?
1: Well, they do. I mean, there's, there's, there's danger with just operating a submarine on an exercise around the Isle of Arran in Scotland. You've got navigational risks, you've got fishing vessels, merchant vessels, frigates, and the course does more than test them to their limits. It takes them beyond their limits. And the, 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 the reason, I mean, one of my responsibilities as teacher is to recognise when they've gone way beyond their limits and haul them back for that. Or if I see that they're going to go beyond their limits and it's not a recoverable situation, I'll intervene and recover the recover the position. So, so yeah, there's physical dangers uh, all the time. It, it's it's in, in as a controlled position as it can be, as in frigates know where they need to be, helicopters know what they're supposed to do. But, of course, I can't assess somebody if I keep on taking the decisions for them. They have to make the decisions. And, of course, if you've got six students, you've got six individuals who are going to make individual decisions based on the information they see. Um, And that, of course, um, has to be mitigated for by me.
0: You you designed the course, you taught, and it has to be adapted and updated to reflect the changing military challenges of the time. What would it look like today?
1: Well, it's it's, it's interesting. I've spent quite a lot of time watching it over the last 10 years, thinking how have they had to mould, you know, how have they had to change it since, since I taught it? So my my teachings were based on lots of captains' experiences during my period of time in command. I took, I took their their experiences and and um, and altered the course. And when you look at it now, um, you know it's, it's, it's different fightings. Isn't it? It's different areas of fighting. It's different areas of uh, combat. The Ukraine. The Ukraine war will change a great deal, um, about how we do, uh, how we do at sea warfare. Um, the use of automat automated vehicles, drones, uh, underwater drones effectively, if you want to call them that. All of these things must now feature in the command course, and I expect they do. The, the, the challenge for all teachers is to predict what's next. And, um, and that's always very difficult because, I mean, I've, the captains I've trained and passed have all been captains. In fact, two of them have been oh, one of them's been teacher sorry and they they've obviously moved into more senior positions like admirals and commodores so it's it's making sure you prepare for the next generation
0: and since you mentioned uh, Ukraine uh, the wartime leadership of President Zelensky if I could ask you about that it's been very much under scrutiny uh, since the full-scale invasion by Russia do you see some of the principles you've written about in him
1: I, I, I think he's a very good communicator um, and he's he 's obviously got round his um, round his teams um and that, that's been that 's been really interesting to watch i mean tragic on so many levels the the, the ukraine conflict um tragic for the people who 've been killed affected by it. tragic for soldiers on both sides that have had to go out and fight um and 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 lose their lose their lives while doing it um I think the the piece that 's really interesting now is uh, what is i, I can 't understand what the um the end state is that that they're looking for it, it makes makes no sense to me it's it's is it, it, that there, there isn't something that's achievable from both sides this is both ukraine and russia and actually the only way they get a solution that's um long-standing is is compromise but neither wants to compromise
0: um just want to return to something you said at the start that leadership comes down to three key points what are they
1: yeah. So the first one is, uh, knowing yourself. So understanding that you can be, um, and this comes back to consistency. So understanding that you can be consistent, understanding that you, um, you can be calm in a crisis, uh, that you communicate effectively. The second one is, um, knowing your team. And that means understanding the limitations of individuals within your team, uh, how you can get the best out of them, allowing them to fail, um, empowering them. And empowerment is a really difficult thing because if you empower somebody too much, then they fail. That's not a great experience for them, but you need to, you need to circulate that. And then the last one is direction and guidance. And, and it's not, not about telling the team how. It's telling the team what needs to be achieved and why, and then making sure that the team are able to come up with the how. And, and those three things work really, really well.
0: And just on a personal note to finish, Ryan, I understand you're now a qualified football referee. Um, do you ever get to apply the lessons of commanding a submarine on the pitch? <laughs>
1: Um, So I do, actually. So um, so (laughs) my first game in charge was an absolutely shocker of an experience because I was very nice to everybody and um, I didn't control the game very well. And it was an inner Glaswegian side versus Royal Navy Scotland. So it's kind of hard work. Um, But going on from there, what I did do was employ a whole load of things. So briefing the teams before we start, what was acceptable and what was not, and that I was going to stick to that communicating with the teams um communicating with the teams all the way through the game and um yeah feedback's been good
0: yeah and the book's going well too
1: yes yeah the the um, second book a view from below's uh doing well um my third book should come out at the end of um hopefully at the end of next year maybe halfway through uh, 2025 which will be a fiction novel this time but all, also based mm-hmm. around submarines
0: you're a busy man ryan ramsey good to speak to you thank you so much for your time And Ryan's book, as he said, A View from Below, is out now. News, discussions, and analysis. This is SitRep.